<laughs> oh my word. This is episode number one thousand for Theology Nara. I have loads of stuff that I would love to say, reminisce, walk down memory lane of Theology Nara. But we have Beth Moore on the show today, and she kind of lights it up pretty hard. This is like uh, Beth Moore in the raw. So I'm going to get out of the way, and I want you to sit at the feet of the queen of evangelicalism, the one and only Beth Moore. Beth, thank you so much for coming back on Theology in the Raw. My guests might not even remember, but this is your second time on. You were on a few years ago, but man, I think it was like 2017. And I mean, I feel like it's been like three decades since 2017. No, so isn't it <laughs> uh, really, honestly, my, my daughter said the other day, and I thought she was so right. She said, the pandemic has messed up time. It, yeah. it feels like there, it feels like there's no way to calculate how long has it been. But I remember, first of all, because I did not know you. I only knew you a little bit from Twitter. But I remember that so well because, number one, it was so fun. Number two, it was the first time that I had ever been on a podcast with someone that used the screens. In other words, it was just audio. I don't think there there was any – I don't think it was done. Video itself was published. But it – it made me know that it made all the difference in the world to see one another's faces that, you know, when when you're in an interview and you can't tell, you're trying to read expressions as to whether or not are they being funny? Are they being a little bit cheeky? Are they, what, how's it going? And so I was spoiled after that. It was always at at that point forward. I was like, see each other, even if we don't, Leave it on video, even if it's just audio. Can we see each other? Because it was really yeah. it was well. This I'll, I'll I'll I've been releasing stuff since then. Yeah, because back then I didn't even have a YouTube channel. I don't think, or maybe I had one, but it wasn't really. But this I I, I now so. I always upload my uh, videos. Maybe like a month after to YouTube. So yeah, this will definitely be um, yes. visual. Yeah. My my YouTube channel it it might get well. Yours might get a lot more, but my typical YouTube video might get a thousand views, which is kind of nothing. Whereas a podcast might get 20 to thousand, 20 to 30,000 listens. So way more listeners than, than viewers. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm the type of person that, you know, when you're talking to somebody and they're stone cold and you don't know if they're agreeing, if they're, like that really makes me insecure. So as a oh, counter reaction, I always try to like nod and everything, but then sometimes my verbal affirmation interrupt, like it's, it's, I don't know, it just kind of messes things up. So I try to visually like acknowledge and laugh and stuff just naturally. I don't know. So no, I, I love that you're very animated and you know, I, I'm not, so it brings it, I, I'm teasing. It, <laughs> but it, it just makes me feel more comfortable. So I, I love it. I'm very, very glad yeah. to be on here. Let's Beth. jump in. <laughs> Beth, you, I mean, you've been very public about your journey. You've been on quite a journey and I have so many questions. Um, let's just start. Can you, if I was an alien that just landed here and I said, hey, Beth, tell us about your last four years. What's that been like in church and ministry in particular? What is? How would you describe your journey in the last few years? Some months ago, probably even a little over a year ago, I was on a walk uh, through the woods that are around our home out in the country. Keith and I live out in the out in the woods outside of Houston. And I was talking to the Lord and was just like, I don't know how often, Preston, you've been in a situation where 
there's almost nothing recognizable in your life. And I, I, it's, it's an interesting thing because even though I'm in one piece and I'm so grateful to God um, for the way he's carried me, I can still feel emotion in my throat bringing this up because it was just such an unexpected time. I'm a, I'm a planner. I thought I knew how it was all going to go. And, but I was, I was talking to the Lord you know, out loud on a walk. And I, I said to him, I just looked, looked up toward heaven and said, I hope you know where we're going because I literally have no idea. I, I'm doing the best I know how to do to walk with you in the way that you have called me to. But for the life of me, I don't know where this goes. And I know I know that all of us would go, well, who knows the future? No, I, I was in relationships and had places of belonging that I expected to live out my life hmm. within. So where, of course, I knew that there would be all sorts of circumstances. And, but you do think that you know your people, Preston. Yeah. They do think that these are my loves. These are the people I call my family of faith. And so, no, I have every expectation of living my life out here. And then just that being uh that feeling of at first it felt like just free falling, but then after that, it just felt like sort of uh, swimming out in the sea and thinking, Lord, is there a plank mm. somewhere that I'm going to ride <laughs> to a shore? Yeah. You remember in Acts 27 when <laughs> Paul says it. I love it so much, Preston. I love, I have a theological crush on Paul that I have sustained. <laughs> but he says, you know, he's such a know-it-all about some things. And then there are other things, you know, that he's like, but I don't. So he says to them, don't have any fear, everyone. Of course, they're on the, the crashing boat. Um, our lives are going to be saved. However, we're going to run aground on some island. Mm. And I love it so much because he had heard from God very specifically that not a hair on their head was going to be hurt. Mm -hmm. Every one of the lives were going to be. But isn't it just like the Lord to tell us this much, but not this? Mm -hmm. Like, But some island, who knows? Who knows? That is exactly it was like, mm. send a plank. And I, I guess, you know, I'm just going to ride in to some, I'm going to run aground somewhere. Mm -hmm. But and so what, what I'm talking about, so someone will know, I was very happily, happily Southern Baptist all of my life. I was born straight mm -hmm. into a community of faith where my family was very, very active. And I grew up in the whole life of it. And what I'd like to say in a lot of ways um, and so I, I pray that someone would be able to take my temperature somehow across the screen and, and, and across the audio and and test and see that my words today about it are not driven by bitterness, because I, I believe that I enjoyed some of the best of it. Hmm. And by that, I mean, uh, Preston, I'm sure I told you this. X amount of years ago, when we did this before, I was raised in an extremely unstable home. Mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, abused within my home and uh, had my parents were extremely unhappy. And it just was it just was a mess. 
But in our small Arkansas town, I was raised in a college town. Mm -hmm. And in that town, I, everybody, Preston, I did not know the person that did not go to church. Yeah. I, and I would have thought, wow, I wonder what they're like. And I don't mean that they had to go to our church, but everybody pulled out of a driveway on Sunday morning. Yeah. Every, I didn't know anybody that didn't, whether it was the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, the Lutheran Church, the Church of Christ, where it was, somebody was pulling in to that church. And so my church was my harbor. It was my safe place. My home was unsafe hmm. and my church was safe. Okay. So um, this, this, I could not, I, I've said over and over again, the Lord used it to save my life. And then, you know, I grew up, moved to Houston. And then in my church in, at First Baptist of Houston, you know, that's where I cut my teeth as a, as a teacher and a speaker. Hmm. And I just, I loved it so much. And I, I certainly was not blind to some of the, issues, but I believed with all of my heart that there were and are very, very devoted followers and servants of Jesus mm. with every intention of discipling people in the scriptures and of sharing the gospel. So it was a very, very fitted place for me. I was I was very happy. So you had a good you had a good Baptist very good church. Experience. Do you I, I might have said this to you, but I, I do you know I preached at your home church in Arkadelphia? Yeah, I, no. pre I preached there. No, no, it gets better. It gets better. I preached at your home church in Arkadelphia eight years ago, maybe. Um, my best friend, Joey Dodson, taught at Wachita University, and he was a pastor at First Baptist. He brought me out to preach. Not only did I preach... Oh no. So I preached at the chapel. Okay, this was in the chapel at, at Wachita, and I used a Beth Moore illustration completely unaware that you grew up there. N not a clue. And here, do you want to hear the illustration? It's a little PG 13. Yeah. <laughs> I love your eyes. It was on Hosea. And, um, I talked about, you know, God telling Hosea to go marry. And I used the word whore because that was yeah. the translation I was using. In fact, they said it was the most time the word whore was used in the chapel service in the history of that chapel. And I kind of personified Hosea arguing with God saying, what do you mean, Mary, a whore? You called me to ministry. How's my wife going to lead Beth Moore studies when she's a whore? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I, um, I, that could have been offensive. I don't know. It got mixed reviews um, on, on online, but somebody told me afterwards, he's like, you know, Beth Moore grew up here. I'm like, oh my word. I am so sorry if that was offensive. It was kind of an off the cuff, trying to be kind of funny, but probably a little too far. Anyway. Yeah. Let me say that they, no one, no one saw a bigger mess of Beth Moore than Arkadelphia, Arkansas. <laughs> Let me say that. Let yeah. me just say my path has been messy and fraught and rocky. But what I can tell you is that Jesus won me. Because I knew, and I still know, Preston, I, I don't think that he saved my life. I know that he did. And I know that in walking with him, even as wobbly as, wobbly as I've done it, and even as messy as it's been, I, I absolutely know that he was the difference. Wow. I absolutely know that I should have been in a ditch. I, I do. Wow. Wow. I, I do. And so that... 
all of those things are so precious to me. That's my heritage. That's yeah, where right. I was taught to love missions mm-hmm. uh, that I still love to this day. I have a group that is about to go through a, a, a 31 days of prayer uh, together. And one of the things that, that I'm I'm trying to, to teach them to get in the habit of doing is praying for a different nation every day. Very, very mission minded, very evangelical in my thinking and in my um, beliefs. And I love the scriptures mm-hmm. and so, so good experience. I mean, your long history in the Southern Baptist, yeah. good experience. Again, yeah. And like you feel about your family, um, you know, I, I wasn't without frustrations and things. You can't belong to a church for as long as, for instance, I belong to First Baptist and not have times that you're just like all fed up. But no, overall, mm-hmm. it was it, it was a great experience. So what it was, was it? What was it that started to change? I mean, what are okay, some of the, so, yeah. In a nutshell, when my life began to take me outside the local area, which was pretty quickly, yeah. but I still was somewhat insulated. I still, in, in when I was in my later 20s and started really speaking and teaching a lot, I would still be in fairly insulated situations. And then I would be in small gatherings of women. We'd have a retreat. We do that kind of thing. Well, hit the thirties, Preston. And that's when I begin teaching a weekday. So I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm speaking at different events, but they're all insulated women's events within that world. The men aren't even there. The pastor is hardly ever even there. These were just those kinds of days. There was usually a Thank God this day is gone. But there'd be a fashion show before I went on. You have to really you can't even imagine. It just was a totally different day, you know. And and so then in I get a, a weekday Bible study group that is willing to go further. So I've got my Sunday school class. I've got my Thursday morning class. I've got them for a couple of hours. So we study hard. They start asking me to write homework. Long story short, I start doing it. All of a sudden, the ministry explodes. I mean, explodes. And this would have been in my, I would have been just right at 34 and 35. I, I get on a jet and I'm just saying metaphorically, I'm on a jet that takes off in a way Mm -hmm. I could not have planned. I did not ask for, I did not want one thing that God has, has given me that I am so, so grateful for. I'm super happy with what's in front of me. Like in the days when I taught aerobics, I loved, I loved teaching aerobics. When I taught my sixth grade girls in Sunday school, I loved my sixth grade girls in Sunday school. I love, I, I haven't, I haven't been one that's just constantly gone, give me the world, give me the world. I just, that is one of my thing. I'm, I'm real happy with what I've got. When, when I was first talked to about video driven Bible studies, I was like, well, well, I won't even be with them. I mean, that to me, the, yeah. the the chemistry between us, anyway, it just wasn't what I would have planned at all. Well, that put me in a whole different place and under sudden scrutiny. Then I began to be in situations where I was also around men and I began to be invited to conferences. And mm. you've got to understand, Preston, I am old. So we're talking, I'm 65, we're talking decades ago when I didn't have people to look to. I don't know why it happened this way, but there were just a couple of us 
And we weren't really connected with one another. Anne Graham Lotz, definitely uh, Kay Arthur, Mm -hmm. several of us. But I was thrown into situations where then I became very aware of being an outsider and that I wasn't academically trained. You know, I, I hadn't really I'd studied so hard, but I'd studied messy, you know. Yeah. Preston. Yeah. I didn't. I. I didn't have a a chance. It didn't. Wouldn't have worked for my family to go. So this is when I first come into. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm way over my head. And then it's just once you get out there, the the criticism and the scrutiny. And let me tell you, Preston, I'm too messy to be able to. I mean, I under scrutiny. Oh, I'm like. I'm I'm a mess. Really? I'm a mess. Now, not I pray that I could tell you not not my character as far yeah. as I don't live a different life at home for whatever yeah. that is worth. Um I'm the same messy person at home as I am out here. Yeah. Um yeah. so it's not that. It's not that I I live a, a carnal lifestyle away from the camera. It's that I I'm I'm a mess. I'll say things <laughs> well, that we, I wish I said. We all are. You're probably just honest about it. I mean, that's well, yeah. <laughs> maybe. And then I'm quoted about it, Preston. <laughs> You're quoted about it. What do you mean? <laughs> you, well, I'm quoted. I say stupid things. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. You know, and or taken out of context. Yeah. Or I'm so easy to make fun of because I'm so uh so much and so I it was, I'm easy to ridicule. I'm easy to imitate. I'm all the things. And so then you come into that and start realizing, oh, and, and then you get to where you realize that you're in a situation and the men don't want you there. And mm-hmm. I'm certainly not all of them by any stretch, sure. or I couldn't sure. have stood it. I always had the approval of the ones that I needed to have to be able to deal, but, oh, I got out there and it started being such a mess. And then I got so self-conscious and so afraid then. And so I became obsessed with, am I under recovering? Hmm. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, hmm. you know, is yeah. my marriage, you know, is my marriage okay? Am I, am I submissive to my husband? Am I, am I not, not supposed to be doing this? I, all those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just been a mess. And now- so that that I hear you explaining kind of when your ministry took off and in, in bigger in, in broader context and you're going yes. through all this. I mean that that was a while ago. Have you built a good, healthy level of resilience? Because now that's been a few couple decades oh, at least. Gosh, you know, yes. like where where were you then compared to where are you now in terms okay. of all the criticism and scrutiny and all that? Like what yes. what has that done for your character okay. now? Here here is the beautiful part, but and I hope this is encouraging to everybody, Preston, because the one thing we'll all have in common by the grace of God is the chance to grow old. <laughs> and so, you know, unless he takes us home early, it's going to be a common experience to all of us. So if we've got a listener 25 or if we've got a listener 55, mm-hmm. I pray this is an encouragement. But one wonderful thing that happens over time is that you've walked long enough with God like, I'm in. I'm not I'm not going anywhere. It wouldn't matter who told me to go home. It doesn't matter <laughs> because I've been with him I've been with Jesus so long and he's been so trustworthy and so faithful. I'm so positive of what he's called me to do, not necessarily how and where he's called me to do it. You know, I have to 
I have to navigate that all the time. But as far as confidence in the fact that the Lord has me and has called me, I'm I'm in with him to the death. So yeah. the resilience, yes. Like I don't think about when pe- people will say the, the most curious thing to me, they'll say, Beth, thank you for not quitting. And my, mm. my reaction is always the same. It never occurs to me to quit. Huh. And I, I say that to some people's extreme displeasure, but it never <laughs> occurs to me. It occurs to me to leave the public eye, okay. but it does, but not quit because Jesus is my whole life. I'm, I'm in with him. I live every day, every day to see that face that day. And I'm, I'm just not, yeah. I'm, I got a one track mind, but I do want to say back to the story. It, I did, you know, I had to persevere, but what got me, let me just retread back to 16 because this was the big moment. I had dealt with so much trash by then and it had put me under such, so much, it it had made my life. 10 times harder than it had to be because I was trying to do everything just right. And I, people make fun of this and I don't even mind. I want, I want them to, I want them to see how ridiculous I was. But if I knew I, I wanted so much not to be threatening somehow to other people um, that were on the same platform, that if I knew I was going to be, Serving with a man who was short, I would wear flats. Wow. It was like, do everything you can to make them know, listen, I'm your girl here, Southern Baptist. I'm your girl. I'm your girl here, conservatives. I'm you. Listen, I I, I want to do I, I want to do this right. I, I want to stay with the system. And then when I watched what happened when my eyes got opened, my here was my deal. I believed, because I had to believe, that the reason for the disparity between women in our real conservative world and men was all about First Timothy 2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said over and over, I do not resent being taught First Timothy 2. Mm-hmm. I resent only being taught First Timothy 2. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scripture there. And, and it needs to be taken all together from Matthew to the end of Revelation. Mm-hmm. This is what I've said. But I thought, OK, and this is why they won't talk to me. This is why they don't approve of me. This is why. I get put through this scrutiny. This is why I have to work twice as hard to make sure I'm submissive to my husband. All of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I, the best way I know to say, and God help me, God help me if I misinterpret. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, to, you know, got to be, have a bare heart before the Lord. But all of a sudden, that fog cleared and I saw the sexism and misogyny. Mm. And what I'm telling you, Kristen, I saw I would have given anything to have gathered the clouds back. I see I'm going to and I really? <laughs> people don't like to hear women get choked up. They like for men to, but they don't like for women to because it's what they fear worse about it. So I'm going to do my best not to get choked <laughs> up. But this this is hard for me not to get choked up over. I would have done anything to gather the fog back. 
because as it was dispelling, then it was the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and everything became suspect. And then it was like, wait, I'm thinking this is about scripture. And it was so clearly, I'm not talking about for everyone, but it was so blatantly about power Hmm. that, and that we traded off everything we said that we stood for. And I thought it was all about scripture. And then suddenly, and so I spoke out and that was to be, it wasn't the first time. It wouldn't be the last time. It hasn't been the last time, but it was the end. And I just was a slow end. Oh my goodness. I got the Bible studies got pulled out of so many Baptist churches and certainly not all of them again. Yeah. I, you, uh, you, you mentioned 2016. Was this a recognition of non-Christian forms of power in the church? Was it tethered to the political season that we were it, in then? Absolutely. I, I could, I could give you the exact date, but it was October of 2016. And it was with the, Access Hollywood transcripts and all the instead of widespread shock and awe among all those evangelicals that were gathered around him, there were just all these rationalizations and excuses. And it was like, oh, no, no, no. God, please, no. Mm. God, please, because I had bet so much of my life in ministry on it. I taught it as I believed it. And then it was like, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. When you say believe and it, when you say it, what's the it? I believed the motives. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I had to, you know, I had to. Um, <laughs> I look back now because every now and then someone will say to me, well, could you look back and see having done it differently? Not in the world I was in. I, I wouldn't. The truth of it is, had I not been part, had I not cooperated with the system, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been allowed to serve this, the way that I did. But I want to say this. This is very important to me to get a chance to say, because it's a very big piece of it. And it's one reason why I've continued to pound on the matter of women in their gifting and the New Testament being looked at as a whole and grappled with as a whole, trying to figure out what Paul did mean, since we also see in Philippians that he talks about the women who contended for the gospel at his side. That's let alone um, the last chapter of Romans. I'm not even getting into that. So we know he couldn't have meant that he didn't serve with women in the gospel. Right. We know he did. He's blatant about it. So figuring out what what does he mean? But what I was seeing at the same time, Preston, and I don't know, I don't know how it looks from your point of view. What I'm telling you is that it simultaneously what was happening is we I was watching a severe pull to the far um, conservative, what I would mm. say beyond conservatism into fundamentalism mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, a part of our denomination where I was beginning to watch stay. This is so important. Please let me say this. I began to see, oh, my word, women are not even going to be allowed to do what I did. My ministry was to women. I'm still going like, what? What was your, I have never ever pursued a pulpit 
Never. I wouldn't have been a senior pastor of a Baptist church had it been handed to me with $10 million. (laughs) I didn't want it. I wasn't trying to be. But what I began to see is that there was starting to be such a pull. And and it wasn't just the old. I know what people want to say. It's the old guard. Oh, I, au contraire, <laughs> really? it was coming out of some of the Southern Baptist seminaries with such a hard line pull to the right that I thought, and, mm. and so now we, in many of our churches, we don't have Sunday school. Where, where exactly do you want our women mm. teachers to teach now? And then we get told, well, they've all gone outside the church. You have made no place for us. Right. And it just to me, it was a train wreck. And it was like, you know what? I'm old. I'm old. I'm almost done. Uh, you can't now go take it all away from me because it's all done. But I will fight to the death for my little sisters to have a place to serve in the gospel witness. There is no possible way that the Holy Spirit was poured out on sons and daughters to prophesy that women are not also gifted to proclaim the gospel. It is a lie to think otherwise. Can I ask you for clarity here? I don't even know exactly where you're at on the women in ministry question. And for, for you probably don't know this, but I've been currently given a, a, a sabbatical to go figure it out. Cause I'm, 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 I'm on the fence. I grew up John yes. MacArthur and I want to come back to him. <laughs> um, brand of commentarianism. It's always good that we don't know. Certain oh yeah. Things. No master's college, master's seminary. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I am not that I'm not sure I'm going to land fully egalitarian. There's some in between kind of positions that I, so I, I'm just going to read about a thousand books, get away for a, a while. And just, I really want to figure it out. And I acknowledge there's some deep exegetical com- complexity here. That, that's that's yes. the one thing I can say 100%. There is deep exegetical yes, complexity here, historical, cultural complexity. Anyway, where are you? Do you have a position now? I just, I, I, are, are you I, like. I say, I, I tell you, this is, this is going to sound like a cop out and I, I don't mean it as one. I really do mean it. I am so weary of the labels that have messed us up so badly, including complementarianism and um, and talking about egalitarians. Uh, I'm so I'm so weary of it. But I will tell you, for instance, where I am right now and and I'll because I'm going to say this, I will leave off where I'm going to church. But okay. I'm I'm comfortable where I am right now because where I am, the only thing that women can't do in my region and where I go to church is that they can't be the senior pastor or priest. Okay. Um but they can we have um we have some a uh, couple of women deacons and of course we we see that we can look in the New Testament and see where where we can where we can get that and uh, and all. And and it's not I don't know how to say this exactly. There's just not a weird vibe. Sometimes okay. one of the things that I would run into, not at my home church. So here's what I want you to hear. I always was very I worked very well with my local church, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. So that's one reason it's it's how I stayed so long, and it's also um, you know how I stayed happy. You yeah. know, I didn't get it from there. I got it, I got it from the outside. But one of the things that I ran into the more I got out there is I thought, you know what, some of these guys have 
served around women so little, they don't even know how to have a conversation mm. with them. Mm. I would try to, I'd be talking to a very well-known figure and I would try to get, you know, we were trying to have a conversation. I think he can't, he cannot look me in the eye. Oh, we wow. can't just yeah. have a normal conversation. I'm in a community now where there's just not that weirdness and there, yeah. there's not that weirdness in a lot of Southern Baptist churches. I I had to, let me tell you, I had to leave the SBC because you are held responsible for the knowledge that you have. I was in such a place, like there are a lot of people going to church that do not know anything about the issues I'm talking about. Nothing, nothing. They go to a country church outside of such and such a town, they serve Jesus with everything they've got. They love him. They hear the invitation every single Sunday. They, they rededicate their lives. They do VBS. So I'm talking salt of the earth, salt of the earth people. I was in so far that I saw things that were so objectionable. And to me, in regard not only to sexism, but racism, which I believe mm. almost always there that that body mm. and I just a physical body, the body that holds on to sexism. I mean, there's we got two arms and two hands almost always mm. the in the other hand is racism because mm. it's it's power. It's power. It's the fist. That's the fist. And I have been in so far and seen so much that it to me was. I no longer felt that I belonged. I no longer felt welcome. I no longer felt wanted. But I also, it was an act uh, also in some ways of protest of saying, no, Mm. no, I will not be part of this. And if bringing a lot of attention to it in a very public divorce, very public, very public, (laughs) nasty divorce, if that somehow does something to change the climate for the young women coming up behind us, then I promise you my pain will not be in vain. And I would have done it anyway. I I did it as an act of obedience. The Lord said, I mean, it was go, go, now go. But um, I don't think it was because he was departing them. I think it was my place to do it, that it was just like you are in a position that you need to make this act of protest public. Well, it doesn't sound like it had become or maybe I mean, doesn't sound like it was the most fruitful environment for Beth Moore to be Beth Moore. Like it sounds like it just was would would have been hindering the voice that. God has given you. Are, are you allowed to say where you're at now or you'd rather not hold off where you're at now? I mean, where I am is uh, what I love about it is that I didn't have to compromise on any uh, level with the uh, with how scripture is uh, lifted as authoritative for all things life and godliness. Right. Um, right. The scriptures are taught, preached, read and the cross the gospel uh, is preached and Christ is as exalted as I've ever seen anywhere. Wow. I'm for one thing, Preston, I'm in a much smaller environment and that's been really good for me Yeah, just to be yeah. uh, one of about, you know, 150 people. Wow. Yeah. I just, I'm, 
so over crowds and I, I, I just, I still speak in large environments and I, I love it. I'll, I'll do anything that God tells me to, but I'm just so much of, I'm just no longer impressed with any of it. I just want to serve Jesus and then die and go to heaven. (laughs) Okay. I got, I got a a question I've been wanting to ask you for two years (laughs) and I know my entire audience is going to want me to ask this question. Um, when a couple of years ago, when John MacArthur was asked about Beth Moore and he said, go home response to that. How'd that make you feel? How did you, I don't even know how you react. I'm, I'm not online a lot. So I don't even know if you wrote some big well, thing or didn't say, I don't, I don't even know. I don't mind telling you this at all because it is kind of an interesting story for starters. I get a DM and he said, I am just, he said, I'm so disgusted. This was a friend of mine. Um, in the faith of a Southern Baptist pastor. He said, I'm so disgusted. I don't know what to do. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, he said, you will. And I thought, you know, because you think sometimes you'll think something's going to go viral and you'll think, oh, that's not really a big deal. Well, boy, I mean, nothing could have prepared us for how big that blew. But I'll tell you this, uh, Preston, because it makes all the difference. Number one, I didn't have to react. It upset people so badly. And I mean, I know there are the people that were like, woohoo, but they've never been my people. Right. I I don't, I don't come. I had always admired his faithfulness to preach his dedication to the scriptures, but his, that world never was my world. I couldn't have even taught Sunday school, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't in, I wasn't in the John MacArthur world. Yeah. So um, it, it wasn't so personal to me, but um, even a lot of my critics didn't like it. Yeah. And yeah. so it just so blew up. I, I didn't really have to say anything, but I, I'll tell you this on a scale of one to 10, I mean, it was galling. What, what was really something was that every single thing still to this day, I will just tweet something about how my grapevines are growing and some dude will say, go home. And I'll go, I am home. <laughs> a ham sandwich in my kitchen. I am home. <laughs> and it's just got there. So I hear it all the time. But um, on a scale of one to 10, it, it bothered me at about a three. But I want to I wanna now talk about what killed me. Okay killed me in my own world. So somebody's going to be confused because they're going to say, Beth, I thought you were interdenominational. Absolutely. The ministry from the get-go, Living Proof Ministries is interdenominational. We, I mean, we set that course and never varied from it. And it's been very interdenominational, but I, I was personally a part of a denomination and had no thought of ever being anything otherwise. This is where my voice is a lot of crack. So, um, but this one, this one got me and I think you'll understand why. So I see it is the spring of 19. The Southern Baptist Convention is in the biggest sexual abuse crisis of of its history. I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. The Southern Baptist Convention is coming up. And it's just before Mother's Day. And a friend of mine on there says something about this was just us having a conversation on Twitter, just being funny. She said uh, something about, well, I'm 
going to be speaking at my church on Sunday for Mother's Day. And I said, so I said something like, shh, I said, I am too, but let's not tell anyone. Well, obviously I knew I was telling everyone because, <laughs> but I mean, it's like Mother's Day. I, I knew it would annoy some, some of the dudes, but they are the ones that I, I enjoy annoying. <laughs> and so I just thought that's as far as it's going to go is I'll get in the craw of people that I thoroughly enjoy getting in the craw of, but no, that was not it. Uh, it landed like an atomic bomb. And suddenly, all the way to uh, particularly one seminary uh, president that, I mean, he whistled. He did it very, very, uh, what can I say? Like, my name wasn't in it, but it was obvious. And, I mean, there was a there was such, it was sort of like, uh, I never thought I'd see the day. And it was like, I, that this is what's going to happen with women. This is what they're, and so suddenly it was like, I am the biggest threat to the Southern Baptist Convention. Hmm. And when I say they pounded me, hmm. it was Monday day, pounded me. Oh, gosh. Me and so see John MacArthur. He's not my world. This was my right. world. Yeah. This is my. These were. These were my people. Mm. And it nearly put me in the bed because it was like you know what guys because it was pastor after pastor after pastor and then like okay we're pulling these studies and it was like I have served your wives and your daughters for nearly 40 years. I never was after a men's ministry. I mean, I had men in my last Sunday school class because I couldn't get rid of them. But um, it was, they knew better. I, that's what got me, Preston. Mm -hmm. They knew better. They knew, they knew it wasn't true. I do not believe if I looked that seminary president in the face and said to him, do you really believe I am after the pulpits mm. of the Southern Convention? There is no way under heaven. I believe he could have looked me in the eye and said, yes, I think you are. So I'm, mm. I just don't believe it. I think it was so overblown and it was over. I that's when I made a phone call to Lifeway, who I loved like my own family mm -hmm. and said, you know, I'm out because it just was so offensive and it hurt. It broke mm -hmm. my heart. It my spirit. On Mother's Day. That's insane. I didn't know. So you pulled out of Lifeway. I didn't know that. Yes. So. Which was, let, let me explain this. Boy. Preston, you have you have got me where my throat's so so tight with emotion because yeah. these are such real things to me. Somebody yeah. listening, they need yeah. to hear that anyway. They need to know sure. that, that you might sit back and think, oh, well, Beth's been, you know, so sassy uh, with everybody and hasn't she been strong? Well, I do. I have extremely strong conviction, uh, but I also have an extremely tender heart. So um, those things together is going to be painful. I'm going to do what I believe God's calling me to do, but I'm going to do it crying my eyes out. And so, okay, think of it this way. And I hope this may be an offense to somebody to, to call it, to put it in sort of like marital terms, but it's the best way I know to explain it. 
is that I, I was very married to the Southern Baptist Convention. And the basis of my marriage contract, if you'll just think in those ways, the basis of it was my contracts with LifeWay. That was the only way mm-hmm. I was married to the SBC. Now, LifeWay, somebody's going to like, what's the difference? Well, th- there's the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, and then LifeWay is their publishing arm. Right. So I was over here, and those are two different groups of people. And I, I, I mean, they they were conservative, just like they should have been over at LifeWay. They they probably were. Um, well, no, not probably. In some ways, they believed some things. Um, they were going to be stronger about men's women, men and women's roles than I was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I still just played by the rules, was over here, could have lived a long time and been very happy, very happy relationship. But in order to get out of the SBC, I, I absolutely had to. It was the, that was the basis of, so to speak, the marriage. And mm-hmm. so I gave up something I dearly loved mm-hmm. in order to walk away from what I was under strong conviction was no longer. Okay. Yeah. It's no longer my own. Yeah. So who, who do you publish yeah, we, with now? Do you have, do you have a specific publisher? Or are you like a free agent or? Uh, we are for now publishing curriculum out of living proof. Oh, okay. And so that's really exciting because the Lord um, Preston has been so good. All of these things are so interesting. I tell the Lord all the time that I know I'm going to see him face to face and I'm going to be able to say, you did it all exactly how it had to be done to get what you wanted. Uh, you know, now this side of it is just can be so chaotic and confusing. But uh, the Galatian study, now that faith has come, is the first study mm. we ever did. Uh, we published on our own at Living Proof. Mm. And it got an award wow. uh, just recently wow. for right our best Bible study. Um, it got that, that, that recent uh, award from evangelical publishing. So that was such a kindness of the Lord. And then I published like the memoir that's coming out and like Chasing Vines. I love, love, love Tyndale. Okay. Uh, they're wonderful people. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it's not denominational. I don't, I don't think I would ever go back to a denominational publishing situation only because to protect my heart from the same kind of mm-hmm. heartbreak. It just was it just was so, it has been so painful. Yeah. We just have a couple more minutes, Beth. I want to honor your time. Um, do you think, when going back to kind of like seeing the power structures in the church that foster sexism, and do you think that a complementarian structure can produce an environment where sexism does not exist, where male power is not abused? Like, because some people say, all those issues are intrinsic to a complementarian structure, whereas other people would say, no, it's a, that's a complementarianism gone wrong. That's a non-biblical form of complementarianism. Um, do you think that, comp- I mean, I would say maybe 30, 40% of people listening might be complementarian. Yep. Do you think that, that they can uh, truly I- honor and value women as coworkers in the gospel while still having male only elders and, and teachers? I believe that it, see, again, the the two labels, if you'd set aside the name okay. and let me talk to sure. the thing, yeah. which is, can we biblically respond, scripture, can we respond scripturally in our roles uh, in and outside the church and inside and outside the home and both 
male and female flourish 100%, it would the will of God would only be, it would only be for both men and women to flourish. If our paradigm is Christ, and isn't it, because that's what we're being conformed to the image of Christ, that's what God is doing in us and what he is doing, refining the church to reflect her groom. If, if Christ is what everything is moving toward and he gave dignity to women the way he did, then nothing else, nothing else that has been written mm. can be in, it can't be contradictory right. to that dignity. It can't be contradictory to Luke chapter eight, where we see that he had men uh, followers and then the women were also among them. Um, Acts chapter one, men and women in the upper room, men and women having the Holy Spirit poured out on them. So can it be done within the biblical? Do we have to depart from the biblical framework in order for both men and women to flourish? We men and women will flourish if we stay according to the word. What we're doing is we are picking out when we pick out that this is what we consider orthodoxy, but we dismiss like this is the last word on it. None of this matters because this is the last word on it. Everything, the household codes, they are, they're the last word on everything. Mm. They're the last word on everything. So they carry everything and then we dismiss everything else. But if we took it all mm -hmm. together, grappled with it all, would both male and female flourish yeah. 100%. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Again, there's, wherever you land on this, you have to acknowledge some complexity. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, women prophesying and prophesying in the church in First Corinthians eleven five, and then women be silent in fourteen. Like, well, something's going on here that we need to unearth because you can't have both silence and preaching. You know, yeah. like Chris, people won't study it because they're afraid they might learn something. <laughs> we are very comfortable where we are. Uh, we have figured out what we want to believe, and so the way we do things, and so much of. The Bible study world or the Bible believing world, let me say that. What we do is we find what we like and it will often suit. We will be drawn, mm -hmm. magnetized to that which is also fairly, you know, part of us. In mm -hmm. other words, if you've got a really sexist man, he was raised that way as a boy in his home. Oh, he is going to be drawn. If he is a religious person, he's going to be drawn into a very patriarchal kind of environment in his spiritual life. That's just the way it's going to go. But what we do, we figure out what we want to believe. And I would say this to anybody. I would say this from, from the, uh, the extremes of fundamentalism all the way to progressivism, which is, you know, to the point where I would begin to go, OK, is this are the scriptures of any value whatsoever to you? Is the scripture preached at all? You know, there would be that. But what we do, we figure out what we want to believe and then we set about reaffirming what we already believe and want to believe. And so we stay within our little camp. We are only taught by one another. Nobody else can tell us anything. And so therefore, and the thing that I begged them to see 
begged them to see is that there was a problem in many pockets and it was tied to it that there were people that were taking that very thing. I've been in women's ministry 40 solid years. I talked to these women. I know some of the things they put up with because they believed that it was part of being submissive to their husband. Mm. Who's going to say that is not what we meant? That is not. Who's going to explain? I I ask questions like this. Hey, hey, is unrelenting pornography grounds for divorce? Mm. Because I I need I need to know that because I'm getting asked these kinds of Mm. questions. You understand what I'm saying? Preston, because these women, it's like, no, no, it has to be this is what they're told. It has to be. Uh, adultery with another woman, all of these things. I'm just going, you know what? You are sitting up. And I told one of these guys that's in that far and he was a friend of mine. And, you know, I love him. I love him. I love him in the Lord. But I told him he sits up there in, you know, away from it all, believing in very, very separate and very specific and very, I mean, a wide gulf between this is what women are to do. This is what men are to do. Sits up there just like, I mean, just saying the same thing over and over again, having no idea, no yeah. idea how that's being taken and turned and twisted and perverted. I resent that. Mm-hmm. I resent that for women that they're trying, they're trying to be godly mm-hmm. and um, they're getting abused and misused. Do something about it. 30 seconds, Beth. Final word you want to say, you can say to women or men or both, like what's the, because a lot of women are listening and they're, I'm sure they're resonating with your journey, your story, the tensions. Here's here's what I want to say. I'll take these 30 seconds to say this. Listen, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, I, I want so much to walk with Jesus. I want so much to love like he loves and see things like he sees things. I'll tell you. I'm going to do my best to walk with him. And that's what I would say to anyone. He, he gives me joy and makes me happy, even in the midst of all of the storm and the wind and the waves. I'm still going to say at the end of the day, would I have chosen any other life but the one that was chosen for me? Absolutely not. Beth, thanks you so much for being on Theology Nira. Thank you for your time. Many, many blessings on your ministry. And I want to echo what so many other people are going to echo. Yes, do not quit. Keep being Beth. Stay close to Jesus and never go home. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Preston. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.